Freedom Hut. The Portland killer is 100% Antifa. Trump plans a Kenosha visit. The real riot costs in Minneapolis. General Flynn loses a round in court and more. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, Team Buck. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you had a restful weekend. Second to... Second to last one of the summer. Amazing how quickly this whole thing has gone. And now we're we're about to enter the final leg of the presidential race. I, I have to say, this is a year that has blown away all the predictions. Nobody could have ever imagined, not just COVID-19, but that the Democrats would put forward, support, foster, build a movement that would have as its mantra the destruction of major cities, the undermining of our ver- the very foundations of our system. Nobody could have really thought that would happen because it seems so counterproductive, even from the perspective of someone who desperately wants power. It seems like nobody could ever think that that's actually a good idea. Why would the Democrats do it? Well, as I've said to you, don't ever make the mistake of assuming that your opponent's have good strategy and also don't forget that when we talk about the way the left has taken over the democrat party how the radicals are now calling the shots pelosi may be the the vessel for their desires and she gives this this veneer of traditional democrat respectability to people who aren't really paying attention but we know that it's the aoc wing of the democrat party that's actually calling the shots and that they have created with this movement a horribly destructive and completely indefensible, absolutely indefensible uh, series of riots all across the country. This is what is going on now. Instead of focusing on how to make things better, the Democrat media has decided to make sure that everything gets worse for everyone. That was their plan to defeat Trump. And now it's starting to look a little bit unwise, isn't it? Now, all of a sudden, the polls have clearly turned, and I'm sure the internal polls for the Biden campaign, the Democrats looking at what the shot is for this weekend at Bernie's campaign to actually be successful. It's not good. It's not good. They, they understand that things uh, are, are hugely problematic now for them when all they had to do was not be crazy and, and they just couldn't manage it. They couldn't manage it. The latest in this is what we saw with Antifa over the weekend. Let's all be very clear here. Antifa is a domestic terrorist group. And journos who lie to cover up or downplay the crimes of Antifa are propagandizing for a terrorist group. That's a fact. That's just an observation about the reality around us right now. Antifa has a coherent political philosophy, not an intelligent one or a helpful one, but it does have one. And they travel from all over the country. There's clear organization, organization occurring across state lines. This very quickly becomes a federal issue. And they use violence and coercion for political ends. The definition of a terrorist group attacking law enforcement, 
you know, oftentimes terrorists will start out. I, I mean, global terrorist organizations start out attacking police, attacking what they view of uh, what they view as the organs of the state. But eventually they always turn against the people who don't go with them as well. But remember, they're fighting at some level a campaign to win over some portion of public opinion. Antifa thinks they're doing the same thing. They are operating as a domestic terrorist group. And they killed somebody over the weekend. They, they committed what, what seems to be a straight-up murder in Portland. Now, there were these caravans driving into to Portland over the weekend, as well as some other cities, of Trump supporters. And as I've said to you before, we all understand that if a Trump supporter shows up in a public place with a MAGA hat on or shows up with Trump flags or anything else, and these BLM protests are going on, it is the Trump supporter who can expect to suffer violence. This tells you everything you need to know about the nature and conduct of this, of this BLM movement. Antifa, the same thing. Remember, Antifa is really now just a group of black block uh, tactics used in the name of BLM. Right? Uh, that's what you're seeing. A- Antifa thinks that they're fighting for the same cause as BLM because BLM is fighting against the fascism of the white nationalist racism of the Trump administration. So Antifa and BLM are really just two sides of the same coin. There's, there's no important ideological separation. They, they work together. They fight together. They engage in terrorist acts together. And so we saw a person who was a Blue Lives Matter supporter, Trump supporter. We don't have all of the details quite yet, but a person who self-described as 100% Antifa murdered this Trump supporter. Uh, just just killed them in cold blood from what we understand so far, based on on all the reporting that we've seen. There were also protests over the weekend in D.C., riots going on in other cities, too. I would just note that in D.C., they were having block parties right in downtown, right next to the White House. I know the area very well. I lived right near there. So I can see in these videos, I know what street they're on. They're very close in D.C. to the Various federal agencies, the White House, they're right in the downtown, dancing and having a street. There's no social distancing. And a lot of people take their masks off when they're dancing. So they got no masks and no social distancing. And the media doesn't do any shaming of the defund the police BLM movement. They, they don't do any. Where is the CNN piece on this? It doesn't exist. They'll never do it. In fact, one of the biggest challenges that we've seen in the aftermath of the murder over the weekend, but also just the mass destruction that has been occurring in all these cities, uh, the, the horrible acts of the people that claim they're working for social justice. How does the media explain this now to the voting public? Not, not the MSNBC watchers in Brooklyn and San Francisco and Santa Monica and Northwest D.C. No, no, not them. How, how do the uh, media outlets that have been supporters of this BLM movement that have been coddling it, promoting it, protecting it. What do they say now? Now that the American people can see what's really going on, what what claims will be made by the media apparatus that has been so essential to creating this movement? And they're they're not quite clear yet. Last week it turned into, oh, it's Trump's fault which is what the Biden campaign is saying. Remember, there's going to be different messaging for different factions 
among the Democrat Party. So what they're going to tell the the Biden voter establishment Democrats is just, oh, blame Trump. But what are they going to say for other people who are true believers in the movement? They don't want to hear that Democrats are walking away from this. In fact, if you look at what the Democrat media's timeline has been, and it's fun. I've, I did this over the weekend. Just do some some specific timed Google searches. You'll find the Democrat media has gone from the protests are the new civil rights movement. That was in the beginning. Sanctified, right? These BLM protests and the riots with them. There were riots from the beginning. Let's not forget that. There were never just peaceful BLM protests. It was always protest by day, riot by night and riot in the name of BLM. But they've gone from the protests or the new civil rights movement to the protests are mostly peaceful to what riots? These are protests. So just denying they exist uh, exist to now Trump supporters are causing these protest riots all in one summer. Just a series of lies Pile the top lies. That's what they do. Oh, and another one that I've seen some of them, some of the, the true believers try, is that they um, they keep saying, and you know, Don Lemon uh, over at CNN has done this. Other writers I've seen have done this. Oh, oh, Nicholas Kristoff. Oh, Nicholas Kristoff. It's, it's not scary at all. The protests, is, uh, they're just fine. Uh, it's not true. But they will say it's only a few blocks of downtown that are affected by this. Uh, No, we've seen 36 out of the 50 largest U.S. cities have big spikes in crime as well. The undermining of police isn't just isn't just an issue of a couple of blocks. It also pulls police resources from the rest of the city. Right. So this line riots only affect a few blocks of major cities. This is said really only by the dumbest or. Most dishonest, the worst journos, to be sure. But they're desperate and they'll do anything. They'll say anything right now to help Joe Biden. By the way, police shootings, if we're going to talk about what's a small issue that people are making a big deal out of, police shootings involve less than point zero 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 three percent of the U.S. population of over 300 million. But journos claim that it's a national crisis. Yeah, maybe 10 people this year killed who are unarmed. And as we see, sometimes they're unarmed, but reaching for something that would make them armed, as in the case of Jacob Blake. It's not as clear as just unarmed in the back, therefore illegal, and it's a murder. Uh, But you're talking about maybe 10 people. You have thousands, thousands of businesses that are destroyed. Uh, Hundreds of police seriously injured. And a few dozen people killed by these protest movements in different ways, whether during the riots or uh, people that have lost their lives during looting that turned deadly. What exactly has any of this done to make life better for anyone in America? The answer is nothing. This is all a monster of the Democrat Party's creation. This is from within their party. They coaxed it forward. They supported it. They coddled it. They promoted it. And now they don't know what to do with it. Now what do they do? Now what do they say? Well, you're going to hear a bunch of different narratives until they can find one that they think sticks or until they can change the storyline. They've got problems, my friends. The big COVID spike in the Sun Belt is pretty much over. Did not see the high fatalities of New York and New Jersey, not even close. And science is telling us that we are increasingly getting toward what could be herd immunity. But we're just doing it with the maximum amount of stupid political decision making, pain, annoyance, irritation, 
and ineptitude possible. But BLM Plaza in downtown D.C. is described by some as a war zone. Uh, The Portland clashes over the weekend show that we are up against a domestic terrorist group and that your First Amendment rights, if you're a Trump supporter, your First Amendment rights, if you don't go along with this left-wing lunacy, are always subject to the bats, bricks, fists, and even guns of these left-wing terrorists. And that's the America we live in right now. And it's one that I hope the Trump administration does a lot to fight against between now and Election Day, because this has become the defining issue of this campaign. Do you believe in civil society, individual responsibility, law and order, safety in the streets, support for law enforcement, or Marxist agitators who are really just crybabies who won't take responsibility for their own lives, their own failures, and just make it all up as they go along so they can virtue signal for the Instagram shots? Choice is America's. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. What's the difference between the left and the right morally as we see these movements clashing? What is the, the essence, the character of the left wing Antifa movement? Well, we have many ways of understanding this because there's so much video out there. There's so much that you can see for yourself. Hear, hear their own words. You don't have to take my word for it. So there was a man who was murdered over the weekend in Portland by these left wing radicals murdered by people who think they're fighting against what is an imaginary fascism in America. And when they find out, when they find out about this person being killed, you know what what they ended up doing? Celebrating. Openly celebrating in the streets the murder of a man. And it's, 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 it's disgusting to see and hear, but you need to know You need to know what we're up against. You need to know what the other side uh, says and how they act. Patriot Prayer founder Joey Gibson identified the victim as Aaron J. Danielson, who he said was a good friend. Danielson apparently also went by the name J. Bishop. Uh, Shot and killed here. So we know that this was eventually... You can't have people who think that they can defy police, as Antifa does... And have some moral license to destroy, to commit arson, to burn. Eventually, the destruction of property and the effort to burn down buildings and ruin businesses will turn to violence. The same, the same way, the same way that you will see um, people who are violent with animals, especially at a young age. Eventually, they grow up. They're always it always transitions usually into violence with people. It's a huge indicator. Destroying property in this way, lighting buildings on fire, that's something that you can expect leads to violence, and it did. But what does Antifa do when they find out that one of their own killed somebody, murdered someone? Play clip one. Y'all are not angry, you're not paying attention. If y'all are not angry, you're not with me. Tonight. 
I am not sad that a blanking fascist died tonight and the crowd erupts into cheers. They murdered a person on the street. Murder on the street for their make-believe problem of, of fascism. These people are lunatics, folks. They're, they're completely delusional. This is, this is no more... It's actually less serious ideologically than even the people in ISIS who were talking about creating a global caliphate. The people that are claiming Trump is a fascist are living in a, in a total delusion. But they think that, that's just, that that justifies their behavior. They think that this is somehow the way forward for them. They'll continue on in this fight. It will be the best possible repudiation of all of this if the Democrat Party loses in this next election because black and Hispanic voters in enough places across the country come out and say, you know, the, the pandering and all that is one thing from Democrats, but when you're making our neighborhoods less safe, when you're making minority areas of cities, uh, you know, where, where there's a predominance of, of minority residents less safe, you're putting us at risk because a bunch of left wing Wesleyan grads who live in, you know, bourgeois areas of, areas of these cities decide that they want to seem like they're cool revolutionaries. When you do that, we've had enough. And there are some indicators that that might happen. There's some reason to believe you might see. Like I said, I, I'm not. I'm not living in a fantasy. I don't think we're going to get 50% of the black vote. If Trump even gets from 10%, which is what he got about the last time, to 15% or 20%, that could be the difference maker in Wisconsin, in Michigan. Could be the difference maker in Pennsylvania, in Ohio. You know, you, you start to look at these numbers. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. And you're, you're beginning to see the real pushback. It took months. It took longer than I thought it would. But it's now finally here. In June, I was asking, where is the backlash? In June, I was asking, where is the fight back? Now we're seeing it. These paramilitary uh, maniacs of Antifa, they're not going to pull back. They don't think this is a time to do anything other than pedal to the metal. But the Democrat Party and the Biden campaign that wants to win, they've got problems. And as of, as of today, they've started to recognize that. They see what this means for them. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, it's Trump's fault, they keep saying. That's the newest one. That's what you're, you're hearing from Democrats in office across the country. It's the president's fault. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Ted Wheeler who I'm a, I'm a little frustrated because I do think that he's trying really hard. He's pulling alongside de Blasio neck and neck for the worst, most incompetent mayor in the United States. De Blasio in New York, uh, Wheeler in, in Portland. And I got to say, until recently, we were number one here for the worst mayor. I think we beat out. I think we beat out Mayor Wheeler easily. But when you get a guy who on Friday, as he did, put out some smarmy letter about how Trump's help is not wanted for the city of Portland, and it's his devices. Basically, you're the reason that all these bad things are happening in Portland. As if the mayor can't see the video of people who are clearly mentally deranged. I mean, there are a lot of emotionally disturbed incels with low IQs that are part of Antifa and that are part of these BLM protests in Portland. There's a lot of that. I mean, you watch the videos, you can tell. 
that you have people who have a lot of problems. I mean, they're disturbed. These are not normal. It's not normal to want to run up to a police officer and hit him in the head with a brick as a form of entertainment. That, that's not something that a well-adjusted human being would do. And it's something that a person should be uh, seriously and severely punished for. But that's not what ends up happening. In fact, in Portland, they've done this. We're just going to keep releasing. If we keep releasing people for protest-related offenses, maybe they'll be better behaved. Maybe they'll be nicer to us. Right? That's what they'll say. And it never happens. No, it gets worse. Do you think the mob appreciates it when people go out of their way to appease it? No, they just they're feeding the beast and the beast wants to be fed even more. Now it knows that it won't have any opposition. So on Friday, Mayor Wheeler is putting out some letter and he's all proud. See, I'm slapping away Trump's hand as he extends it with help for Portland. And remember, Wheeler's not Wheeler's never going to run for president. Or if he does, it'll be like a hilarious joke but he's not you know this guy has has no aspirations to run for president maybe he thinks he can run for senate at some point i don't know but wouldn't it matter to you not to be the biggest laughing stock as a mayor in decades in the united states wouldn't that be a nice thing to achieve if you're ted wheeler maybe working across the aisle to secure your city at first wouldn't that make sense no no instead wheeler says on friday in his in his letter that he wants no help from trump whatsoever and and here, here's what here's the stuff that he and, and then on on Sunday, he is blaming Trump for the riots. So he won't take Trump's help. And then he's blaming Trump for the riots and saying, get out of our way or help us play 20. You've tried to divide us more than any other figure in modern history. And now you want me to stop the violence that you helped create. What America needs is for you to be stopped so that we can come back together as one America while recognizing that we must demand that all people, black, brown, white, every color from every political persuasion, pull together and hold all people accountable in stopping racism and violence. And we together are peaceful again under new leadership that reflects who we really are. We, the people of this great nation. President Trump, you bring no peace. You bring no respect to our democracy. You, Mr. President, need to do your job as the leader of this nation. And I, Mr. President, will do my job as the mayor of this city. Uh, Incoherent babble from this guy. It doesn't even make sense when you listen to it, as I have for the third time. What? That Trump is the reason that lunatics are trying to burn down the federal courthouse in downtown Portland? It's Trump's fault? Trump is the reason that people are dressed in black from head to toe and attacking law enforcement officers, including Portland State Police, including federal officers who were deployed to calm things down and enforce the law? How is that Trump's fault? But you see, this is always in the background of all these Democrat complaints that you're seeing. The way the left does business, it's kind of a version of nice country you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it and you don't vote Democrat. Do what we say or else. You're already starting to hear it. The, the implied, and I think they'll get louder. I think they'll be more explicit. The implied threat of vote for Biden or else, man, the riots are going to get really bad. 
Vote for Biden or else, oh, you think this violence has been rough on cities. Wait till we do after that. Holding America hostage so that lunatic liberals can be in power. That's a central strategy now. What else are they going to do? Offer up Joe Biden's a loser and a third rate intellect. And we all know it. Oh, if he's in charge, everything will be better. Sure. That would be a very that would be a very foolish mistake if the American people make that call. But, you know, we're two months out. Who knows? Who knows? The uh, acting and soon to be full on chief, although it's going to be quite a fight, I think, for Senate confirmation. Chad Wolf has been uh, was talking about this and how Mayor Wheeler is basically an incompetent moron. Play 13. Well, we've been asking Portland to do their job really for over three months now. What you see in Portland is an environment. They they foster an environment. They foster an environment of this lawlessness and chaos. We've been asking the governor and others to send in the National Guard to address the violence so that you don't have dueling demonstrations. You don't have this violence that uh, occurs night after night after night on the streets of Portland. So we need them to do their job. We need them to step up. And if they can't or they don't have the ability or the resources ask the federal government will provide those uh, resources as we've done in wisconsin and others so that we can address any violence uh any violence across the spectrum so you have on the one hand people in the federal government like chad wolf who are saying yes we we want to help but would they need to actually the people in charge of portland the local authorities need to do their job they won't do their job They won't do what they're supposed to do. They won't enforce the law. They've created these lawless zones, like in Seattle, the autonomous zone, except this is a riot zone. There's no right to do this. There's no, you know, uh, basis in ethics, in law, for trying to burn down buildings and and ruin people's lives. But, you know, it also brings you back to what what Wheeler said about how if we get rid of Trump, then we can finally unify. I, I don't want to unify with Antifa. I don't want to have a come together with them. I want them to stop. I want them to be met with the necessary force to shut them down and punish them. Because what they're doing is wrong. I don't accept that what they're doing is just their version of political discourse. And if only Trump was gone, we would know. These people said that Mitt Milktoast Romney was giving old people cancer and and was, you know, binding women in binders or whatever. I mean, it's insane. That was and Mitt Romney, of course, was a racist and everything else. They'll say this about anybody, anyone who stands in the way of the agenda. It doesn't matter who it is. You can't you can't buy them off by being moderate. You can't buy them off by being reasonable. All they see when some Republican does the whole, you know, I'm John Kasich and nobody likes me. But if I sell out my side, I'll maybe get one nice editorial about me in the New York Times uh, pages. All the left sees is another sucker, another person that we're able to bring over to our side and, you know, make sure that we do whatever we want with them. You know, we can use them to the fullest, use them to the fullest extent possible. So I'm uh, continuing to sit here waiting for there to be a crackdown from Democrats on this, but it won't. It won't happen unless and until the polls become so desperate that Democrats realize they're going to have to crack down on this. This is their base. These are Rachel Rachel Maddow watchers. These are HuffPo readers. You know, these are people that believe all this stuff. 
that watch all this left-wing claptrap, that, that think that CNN is real news. That's who is involved in these protests. That's who we see doing all of this. And so they don't want to take action against them because it's their own team. It's like, a, you know, a parent who has children in the park running around hitting all the other kids with sticks. Oh, little Timmy wouldn't do that. You know, what do you mean? He just did it. They don't want they don't want to they don't want to have to lay down the law at all. But if this continues, they're not going to have any choice because it is getting increasingly impossible, even for the very relentless and ruthless propagandists of the Democrat Party to explain to the American people how this isn't the fault of the Biden team of Biden voters. They don't have an answer for that one yet until they find one. They're going to keep scrambling. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Death to America. You hearing those chants? You might think, well, that must be outside of a mosque in Tehran, right? I mean, that's this is not something that... No, that was just a big protest march in Oakland over the weekend. People yelling death to America. Now, I know that the CNN headline for that is going to be Consider or compassionate protesters call for nation-state euthanasia. I understand that they're going to try to spin that as something. Death to America is what they are chanting. I, I play it so you can hear it yourself. Okay, this is this is the problem. The Democrats, because of social media, normally they would have their news allies shut this stuff down and we wouldn't even know about it. And then people in a few weeks would say that never happened. Why are you lying by saying that happened? This is what they do all the time. The gaslighting is so well coordinated, but it's all over the Internet. And it's shared on these social media platforms that That, yes, they will help the Democrats, but they can't move fast enough to pull all this off before enough people have seen it. They're chanting death to America. These are all Democrats. These are Biden voters, if they're going to vote at all. This is the left. There's nothing similar among conservatives. You, You don't have any death to America movement on the right. This is completely insane. But this is what we're up against. It's not just Portland. It's not just Minneapolis. It's Oakland. It's Atlanta. It's Chicago. It's D.C. It's New York. It's all the major cities now. This movement at least exists. And in some places, the movement has grown to the point where law enforcement, at least local law enforcement, doesn't have the political will. And maybe, honestly, is somewhat afraid to take it on. That's what we're dealing with now. It's an insurgency that has grown to that point. So you have in, in Oakland, which has a long history of being a very anti-police city, a lot of the most vicious anti-cop uh, stuff that you'll see stretching back for many, many years comes out of Oakland. But this is uh, as we watch this happen in cities across the country. Let's all make sure that we understand that they're not going to stop until they're made to stop. They're true believers. I mean, they're, they're not doing this. For show. Yes, I do think that there are people who 
Um, they're getting paid, certainly. BLM has raised a ton of money. There's an organization of Black Lives Matter. It's raised a lot of money. Corporate America writes it checks. To, that's kind of their corporate indulgence, like the old medieval indulgences. You know, you pay the church and then you get away with doing bad things. So corporations write checks to Black Lives Matter so that then they don't have to worry about the fact that they've got, you know, eight guys sitting on their corporate board and one woman or something. You know, that, oh, but we wrote a check to BLM, so we're good, right? No, that's not how it works. BLM doesn't care. They will, they'll take your money, but they're not going to treat you better afterwards if you get in the way. That's not how terrorists operate. What a, what a transformation, isn't it, from the beginning of this? You think back to May when, look, I'll tell you, I, I was even concerned for, for my own ability to speak about this without suffering real ramifications. I spoke out anyway, but I was, it was something I had to think about. You know, oh, there'll be a boycott against you. You know, any, any corporation that's associated with you. You know, fortunately, all my sponsors are great American companies that, that love this country and don't, don't run away at the first sign of it. Because the boycotts never last either. The boycott is just always a, a creation on social media of the left. It's effectively a lie. But companies panic. And during a pandemic, when they're already way down in sales and there's all kinds of problems they're dealing with economically, any pressure, any economic pressure is magnified automatically. When you go back to the beginning of this whole thing in May, when George Floyd was killed, George Floyd, who now the cop who killed him says he died of a fentanyl overdose. There's going to be quite a fight over that. Says that the, he did not put enough pressure on his neck to, to kill him. That's not true. That's the defense. I'm telling you what the defense says. And the autopsy supports that it at least was possible that he died of a drug overdose right then and there and not actually from asphyxiation, which is what would happen if someone's knee was on your neck blocking your airway. So, but this movement of BLM after George Floyd's death went, went from being unstoppable to soon, I think, it's going to be a liability. It, it already has turned into a bit of a liability, but people will realize that they need to fade this thing out. The smarter members of the Democrat Party, this could end up costing the Democrats' control of the United States government. This movement, paradoxically, I, I know it's, it seems, how could that even be possible? But, but it absolutely is possible. People are watching this, and, and, you know, with the president, we'll talk in a second about how the president's going to Kenosha. Uh, you know that the, of the over 100 people arrested for rioting in Kenosha in the last few days, they've found that they come from 44 different cities across America. They're not even from Kenosha. So you have to think, how, how do they do this? Where are they staying? Who's paying for this? I mean, they're all, they're all road tripping to Kenosha to riot? We're to believe they're all just doing this with the money they have in their own pockets? These people that are showing up to riot wearing all black, these people are losers. They're not, they're, you know, they're, they're not folks that you would... And there are a lot, I'm just going to say it because I've seen the mugshots and I've seen the police reports, a lot of social workers, public school teachers... Uh, pretty amazing. A lot of that. Yeah, social workers that are wanting to burn down buildings and throw rocks at people. That's that's who we have as social workers now. And public school teachers. A lot of them, too. Like There are good teachers. There are a whole lot of bad ones. And the public school system in this country has turned into a decrepit mess. Well, it has been for a long time. But that's, that's who you see. And, those, and then there's, of course, a lot of just unemployed, a lot of people that spent two years in some worthless master's program in the humanities only to figure out that nobody cares, they're not that smart, and this was not a good idea, 
And so now they just want to burn down the whole system and have their loans forgiven. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that this president will go to Kenosha, Wisconsin. He loves the people of Wisconsin, and he looks forward to speaking directly to them in unifying the state. And when you look at what this administration has done, Minneapolis uh, was a place of violent riots. Then all of a sudden, the National Guard came in, and we saw peace in the city. What we saw in Kenosha, Wisconsin, again, is you saw federal uh, help come into that area, and we did see a noticeable difference when they came in. So this president's always willing to help, and he's going to show up, and he'll be there tomorrow kenosha here comes trump this is a very good move by the campaign by the trump white house it needs to happen the president should go and he should establish for the people of wisconsin a place that as you remember hillary forgot to campaign in in 2016 but it was the russians that cost her the election sure maybe show up in a swing state instead of thinking that it's in the bag hillary Hello! She misses all of you. She'll be back, though. She'll never really go away. Don't worry. So the president is is going to be there discussing what the Democrats are doing, which is ruining places like Kenosha. And remember, this is an organized domestic terrorist effort. They're coming from all over the place, all over the country. These, These aren't the people of Kenosha. And why that matters so much is it doesn't matter where you are in the country. Some of you are probably thinking, oh, Buck, my town's not that crazy. Yeah, just wait until there's a an incident with a police officer. It could happen anywhere. Oh, my city doesn't have anything like this in it. It's not. My city's not Portland. That's what the people of Kenosha thought. They'll come from all over the place. All it has to be is a, a viral moment on social media, and the next thing you know, your city, your town, is ground zero for the lunatic asylum of Antifa and the Democrats' base. That's what's going to happen. So the president going there, I think, is a strong move. I I do not agree, and I I haven't seen yet if there's a final decision that has been made on this one, uh, but I do not agree that the president should meet with Jacob Blake's family. Why? Jacob Blake was uh, wanted for a sexual assault and was had the police call on him for breaking a court order against the person he sexually assaulted and then resisted arrest from a police officer. Now, now, now we're going to pretend this guy's a hero. Is that what we're going to do? Look, I wish the guy hadn't gotten shot. It's a shame. But from what we've seen, it is a shame of his making. You cannot reach for a weapon on the floorboard of a car when police have a gun drawn on you after they have wrestled you to the ground and tasered you. You can't do that. Just as I've said, if, if somebody holds their hand in their waistband and the cops say, you know, freeze, and you say, I've got a gun, and they pull their weapons and they say, show us your hands or we will shoot, and you motion like you're going to shoot them, you move your hand rapidly out of your waistband, it doesn't matter if you have you know, a, a couple of Pringles in your hand. They're going to shoot you. Because they don't have to wait to see the muzzle flash that signifies the end of their lives and them not ever seeing their family again because somebody doesn't want to comply. That's the way law enforcement works. I, I know people don't want to hear this, and the libs want to cry and whine about how bad the cops are all the time. But that's that's reality. They just don't want to live in reality. I do not think the president of the United States should meet with uh, the family. I think that that puts the uh, sort of presidential seal, if you will, on the side of this guy who we're still finding out the facts and what really happened. 
I don't think it's the right move. You know, we already have murals painted all over the place of George Floyd, who was a criminal with multiple legal drugs in his system when he died, who had held a gun at the belly of a pregnant woman during a home invasion. Those are the facts. Now there are murals of him everywhere, like he's a good guy. You know, you'd think that if this was such a problem, if, if the problem of police murdering unarmed black men, if it was what the left pretends that it is, wouldn't they be able to find instances where you don't have somebody who's actually fighting against resisting arrest, who is a, a criminal in his background? When we just have people that get shot for no apparent reason at all. Now, I'm not saying that never happens, but that happens really infrequently. You know, they were talking about a couple of times. And, and is it an accident? I see a lot of talk about the Brianna Taylor Situation. Look, there are some criminal justice reform issues there. No knock raid. Should they happen? The police say they did knock, but they did technically have a no knock raid for what they thought was essentially a stash house for drugs. But Brianna Taylor's boyfriend came running out of the bedroom with a pistol shooting at cops. I, you know, said he didn't know who they were. The cops said that they said police, police. And the guy came running out with a gun anyway. But, you know, that's. A circumstance where if what the police say is true, what is the what is the expectation? They're supposed to continue to get shot at and hope the guy misses and then say and then hope that they can convince him that they really are police and that he should stop shooting. Uh, They shot at him and they hit Breonna Taylor. That's what happened. So that was it's a tragic accident. They didn't mean to hit Breonna Taylor, but they were in a gunfight with somebody who was shooting at them. You never really hear that. You always just hear about, and look, Rand Paul says the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. Yeah, maybe no-knock raids if we want to have a conversation about whether you have them or not. But keep in mind, law enforcement guys will tell you, you get really, uh, you know, you get high-risk violent felons in a home where they know the cops are coming through the door. The chances of them being able to get to their firearms, because they don't want to go for a mandatory 30-year minimum. You know, they don't want to go back in. Chance of them getting their firearms is raised substantially. There are issues to be talked about here, for sure. There are complexities and there are failures of law enforcement. There's no question. No one denies that. No one who knows anything about this. But the overall narrative here that cops are just killing people out of out of racist rage is a lie. So the whole BLM movement is based on a lie. So you start with that and then you have to work your way from there and see what's actually happening. And and there's a reason why the protesters in places like Oakland are chanting death to America. They're not holding hands, walking through the streets and saying, let's all unify and and end police violence for all communities because we'll all be better off. Maybe some people are doing that during the day there, but at night it's lunatics rioting and saying death to America. That's what the left believes in. They, they want to destroy this country. Oh, and it was in our nation's capital over the weekend, too. It was in our nation's capital. Uh, you had this this downtown area right near the White House where they were having protests and things were getting rowdy and violent and destructive. And then there were block parties. And this was perfect. I, I you know, CNN, in a sense, they've so lost their minds over there that it is pretty amusing. I mean, whatever you think you can say to mock CNN is less than the mockery that CNN will do of itself. However hard you think it's possible to dunk on CNN, CNN dunks on itself harder. You'll remember that after being in this punitive and really vindictive lockdown that just kept getting extended in places, particularly here in New York, where they just keep extending a lot, keep extending the lockdown. Um, that while that has happened, 
while that has been the situation, uh, there was that period of time when the big protests broke out about George Floyd's death. The protests happened. And all of a sudden you had these public health experts who were going on TV who had been saying, if you don't wear a mask and if you don't social distance and stay inside and avoid all gatherings, you're putting people at risk of death. That was the that was the message. That was the mantra. That's what they were all saying. And then you had these protests that showed up on the streets where, okay, people wearing masks, not all of them, first of all, obviously. And second of all, social distancing was a total joke. And it was a huge amount of people, right? They would tell you, you can't have a funeral for, for 20 family members gathered together because, you know, your grandma died, maybe of COVID. They would tell you, you can't do that. But then they'd, they'd make excuses. It's not even that they were gentle in their criticism. They made excuses for those protesters after they had told all of us, no funeral for you, no, no wedding, no, no graduation from high school or college or whatever. Can't do any gatherings. But the gatherings of BLM, those are like really important. And that was great because any person with any common sense and, and any real intellectual horsepower, which people confuse with having degrees from certain places, and that doesn't mean squat. It's a system that props up a lot of people who are unimpressive and don't really do much thinking for themselves. But anybody that really has any grip on reality saw that and said, "Okay, so these people are frauds. These people are ideologically deranged and they're frauds. And I'm talking about MDs now who are going on TV. I'm talking about people that had been on TV as the epidemiologists that we're supposed to turn to for advice on what to do about the pandemic. Sure enough, in D.C., there are a few clips of people. Uh, I shouldn't say just the people of huge groups. I mean, large of block parties in the street. People are all together. They're dancing. No masks on. Now, I always say that masks outdoors, it seem to me to be unnecessary based on everything I read about the actual studies on this, the actual scientific studies. But remember, the libs claim the lib claim is that they want masks outdoors now. And Biden and Kamala would mandate at the national level masks for out, outdoor wear, outdoor wearing of masks. Okay. Well, uh, you have video of people without masks on, gathered together, dancing and partying and drinking and doing whatever they want to do in the streets in D.C., but they're BLM groups right they're clearly they've gathered together to sort of sell because this is part of the left has this whole protest this whole protest culture where they turn it into you know one second you're a revolutionary the next second it's like a party you know they, they make it so that people will want to do this and this goes back to alinsky alinsky said make protest activity fun make it social make direct action where you shut down a company where you uh where you bring the public to obey your will through force, through shutting down the system, through overwhelming the system, make it fun for people. This was Alinsky right out of Rules for Radicals, out of the, the textbook for this kind of activism. Here's CNN, though, with a guest. So you have these people not mask wearing, dancing and and all and right next to I mean, dancing with each other, right, right up against each other in D.C., in our nation's capital. And here is CNN with a guest explaining that. Oh, that's OK, though. Play three. 
Yeah, I was very concerned about the White House event last night, 1,500 people packed shoulder to shoulder. The head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force in attendance without a mask with his family, his elderly mother without a mask. And it's it's concerning. Uh, we know people weren't tested. Only people in direct contact with President Trump had testing done. So I think we're going to see cases come out of that. And it's just modeling bad behavior. Now, when we juxtapose that to what's happening in Washington, D.C. right now, uh, people are mostly wearing masks. Now, true, there is social distancing issues. However, this is a public health crisis. They are marching against systemic racism has taken so many lives in this country throughout our history. If you're born black in this country in 2017, you have a three and a half year lower life expectancy than if you're born white. If you're a young black man, you have a one in 1000 chance of being shot by police three times more than if you're born white. So I just think that when you're marching against a public health emergency, I think you do every risk mitigation procedure you can. Uh, but we understand that we have to do the risk benefit analysis. And those folks out there are doing something very important today. That guy, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rob Moore and uh, Rob Davidson is a moron. This guy is an MD. He's a moron. Yes, that's right. The people dancing in the block party, they're going to save. And he rattles off all these statistics about life expectancy, um, he thinks they're going to save lives by doing this. How could a person be so, so dumb? I mean, he's honestly, he's a moron. What he's saying, no intelligent person could say, yeah, that makes sense. People could get sick at this thing. According to him, they could get sick and they could die in a week or two. But by gathering together and dancing in the streets, they're addressing the other public health emergency of black men dying in America. They're not addressing it by dancing in the streets after they've thrown rocks at cops. Does he need someone to explain that to him? Man, these these uh, these libdoc cowards, such a coward. It's such a dumb thing to say. But CNN puts him on air because that makes the delusional CNN audience feel better about the massive hypocrisy of their positions. Oh, the Trump White House gathering outside was bad. But the street block parties of the BLM movement after the White House thing happened in the same place. But, you know, even less social distancing and mitigation measures. But that's good because that's about addressing systemic inequality, which will save lives. My friends, these people, this is they're nuts. I mean, they're they're fanatics. This is what we're seeing, not just Antifa. The Democrat Party is now strewn with fanatics. You can't reason with them. You can't have a normal discussion with them. It doesn't matter. And this is true of some of your friends and neighbors who vote Democrat now, too. They would believe that. It's, it's such a laughably stupid thing to say what this doctor came up with. He's not the only one. Many of them have tried this. Oh, it's about addressing. People are losing their businesses, their livelihoods. People are dying from drug overdoses and suicide. They're dying from undiagnosed cancer. Oh, but the, but the lockdowns are a good thing because they're saving lives. But we don't need to lock down when it comes to BLM because they're saving so many lives. No serious, intelligent person could believe this. In fact, if you are a serious and intelligent human being, you hear stuff like this and you want to mock it and ridicule it and hold the frauds who say it responsible. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We are one movement, one people, one family and one nation under God. And we don't take the beautiful word God out of our Pledge of Allegiance, do we? They did it twice. They did it twice. Then they say, well, we didn't mean that. Oh, I see. I was listening once. I said, that's right. You know, you don't know what it is. What happened? 
What happened? They did it on purpose. They did it twice. That's where they're coming from. You can be fools and you can be fooled, but that's where they're coming from. So don't be surprised, but they're not going to get there. We're not going to let it happen. We're not going to let our country be destroyed by a bunch of nut jobs. Not going to let the country be destroyed by a bunch of nut jobs. It's like he listens to the Buck Sexton show. I, I think I've said that many times. <laughs> That's the president. Look, he's right. That's really what it comes down to. Are we going to let the country be destroyed by a bunch of wackos? This is what they say they want to do. They're chanting death to America in the streets. They want to burn down courthouses. They they come up with these insane ideas about the destruction of the nuclear family. I mean, these these are old Marxist tropes. This is this is the approach of the radicals in society who have wanted to destroy uh, civilization for the last 150 years to try to find, to look at inequality as always a means of creating the agitation, the friction necessary for it to then combust into a full-on revolution and then to upend and destroy a society. And this does not work out well. This, this does not end up having a, a good end product for anybody, but they still want to do it. Remember, people don't want to be told, they don't want to believe that their choices have led to their own misery. They don't want to believe that the choices of their family members have negatively affected them, too. They don't, they don't want to have to be responsible for any of this. That's, that's difficult. That's challenging. That makes people have to really think long and hard about what's going on in their lives. No, much easier, much more preferable to have some external force, some external enemy opposition that is the cause of all of the ills in one's life, right? That's a, it's a seductive narrative. I mean, the people, and I mean this, the people that are showing up in, in downtown D.C. to fight with cops and, and do all this, create this like BLM zone or whatever, whatever the designation is now. Same thing in Portland and Seattle and you name it. They're overwhelmingly losers. I mean, these are not people that anybody would be envious of or think have been successful or done a good job. So isn't it unsurprising that they're attracted to this ideology that is always finding an externalization of one's failures? It's never the fault of people who are unhappy that they are unhappy. It's always somebody else's fault. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Biden wants you to know that if you don't vote for him, well, it's your fault, whatever happens to the country then. Meaning the violence that will occur from his supporters. That's right. The Democrats are now pretty open about how if you don't give them what they want, they will come to your neighborhood and burn your neighborhood down. Biden tweeted out uh, today. Does anyone believe there will be less violence in America if Donald Trump is reelected? Where's the violence coming from? That Democrats pose as the unity candidate here or that Democrats put Biden forward as somebody who can unify the country is, is almost like uh, if they were intentionally spreading some kind of plague. And then also saying that they're the only ones who have the cure. It is the Democrats' fault that we have been so pulled apart. It is not the fault of anybody other than the, than the radical left and their Democrat, I was going to say their overlords. It's not really clear all the time who's calling the shots over whom. 
There is a very good I mean, I want you to listen to this because right now the Democrats are, are, are screaming about violence, violence that they don't they say we shouldn't have violence. But they've been supportive of the violence all along. This is not new. People have been attacked, assaulted. David Dorn was murdered in June. If memory serves. So there's been this has been happening and all the videos of people assaulted and attacked and maimed and businesses ruined and destroyed. This has been going on for months. And just now they discover that the violence is a problem. Just now they discover that they've created a, an, an electoral issue for themselves. And that's really the problem. You know, I remember reading when some of the looting was so bad and some of the destruction of businesses was so egregious that the Democrats couldn't ignore it, but they did find ways to justify it. They did find the, the means to try to say that it wasn't really that big a deal by claiming, oh, well, these people all have insurance. So it's just the insurers who and they like this because they view insurance as, as almost uh, a Marxist feeling to them in nature. Because it's like everybody, no one really pays because everybody pays. They don't understand that insurance premiums actually go up based on market forces. And if everyone's, you know, because you can get sued for anything now, the trial lawyers get rich while the rest of us are constantly paying more and more money to run a business, to open a store, to do any of these things. And they don't make enough uh, money back from the insurers when there's when the stores are burned down. That's what people are figuring out now, because now the claims have come back and they've processed this. Sometimes the insurance doesn't even cover enough money to do the removal of the debris from the building being burned down. So, oh, don't worry about it. The insurance will cover it. That is not a that is not a reasonable, viable or acceptable response in any respect. But that's what Democrats were saying in June. Media analysts, writers, reporters. Oh, at least they have the insurance. Yeah. Does the insurance cover the destruction of the jobs? Does the insurance cover the lost profits and the wages that they would pay from those profits for the months that it takes to get the claim addressed? And then what happens when you you have a building destroyed and all in to get your business back up and running to replace your inventory is going to cost you three or four hundred thousand dollars and insurance wants to give you a check for a hundred grand. You're done, but they don't they don't care. They don't care because they were just saying that at the time to defend their buddies because the journos view all the people looting, rioting, destroying as their ideological comrades. So they can never really get that mad at them because they think they're fighting for the same thing. Maybe they a little bit disagree with the tactics sometimes, but not really. They're certainly not going to condemn it. So while they now turn around and pretend that they are opposed to violence, while they now turn around and make these claims, there's a there's a great montage, you know, I'm a montage fan by Cauldron Pool website. I've never heard of this before that pulls together all just 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 rhetoric that in over this year has been used by Democrat leadership. I mean, not just by a few Democrats here. This is the biggest voices, the Democrat Party, some of the biggest people in the news media and the stuff that they say and what they will justify play for I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country and maybe there will be people need to start taking to the streets this is a dictator you know there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives enemies of the state show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite 
and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. There you go. That's how the Democrats speak about the other side and have been for months. That's the kind of violent rhetoric. And then there's all the, the stuff about a play on Broadway, or I think it was even in Central Park, where they do a mock execution of Trump. Uh, also, in a, in a rap music video, there's a mock execution of Trump. You know, they really have convinced themselves that the violence does not exist on their side, because what else are they going to say? Yes, our side is a bunch of delusional nutjobs who can't figure out which way is up. The, the Democrats aren't going to admit that. They think they're sophisticated. They're like, oh, all the, all the artists and the intellectuals are, are on our side. Uh, which is not true, but there certainly is control of the institutions of, of art and media and Hollywood uh, by the left. But that's because the, the left is, is, almost is almost like a parasite. And that once it infects the host, it will just keep spreading and replicating itself until there's nothing else left. And until the host eventually dies, that can happen. Usually parasites try to avoid that, but not always. You can die from a parasite, too. And that's what the left has become in these institutions, right? They, they replicate themselves until there's no space for anything else. And then it's a question of, is this, is the host organism, whether it's a, a major news channel or a Hollywood studio or a newspaper, is it even what it was when it was first infected? The answer is no, it's been transformed into something else. This, this is what they do this is their approach this is how they operate and it's important that we have no uh no illusions about this whatsoever and if you're wondering do, are they are they sorry about all of this no of course not well what's what's the uh the preferred approach to also say that the person who loves all of this the person who's who's both at fault and wants the violence is the person that the violence is happening as part of an opposition to, I know that's kind of confusing, but they hate Trump, so they burn down buildings, and then it's Trump's fault that they're burning down buildings, and they say that Trump likes the burning of the buildings. Play 19. Right now, we are living in Donald Trump's America. Uh, whether this is going on in Wisconsin, whether it's going on in any state in the country, he stokes the divide. He stokes the chaos. We know that. Look at all his tweets yesterday. The job of the president should be to unite the country, to bring down the pressure, to try to get people to work together. He does the opposite. So what you're going to hear from Joe Biden today in Pittsburgh is that kind of unifying message. And he has been very clear that he condemns violence, just as I do, from the left or the right. Um, and I think that's the problem with this president. He literally loves the chaos. Look at what Kellyanne Conway just said a few days ago. She said, the more chaos and anarchy and vandalism and violence reigns, the better it is for the very clear choice on who's best on public safety and law and order. 
We need to come together as a country. This president wants the havoc and the chaos. He sees it as a ticket for another term. They are causing the havoc and the chaos. Her voters, that was Klobuchar. They are the ones who are creating all of this. They are the ones that are responsible for this. That the American people see this and are horrified by it is not Trump's fault. It's not the Republicans' fault. And a statement of the obvious here is not cynical. It's just a statement of the obvious. Because of their actions, Biden is in a worse place. They were trying to run a phony, nonsense, BS, Biden is a unifier candidate message, because that's all it was going to be. It was just going to be messaging. It was going to be like, you know, Coke versus Pepsi, just all about the marketing. I know some of you think you can tell the difference between the two of them. I think they taste the same. But instead, what they have with Joe Biden is someone who now has to make the case that while his voters are burning down neighborhoods after months of Democrats saying, you guys probably should burn down some neighborhoods to show everybody how displeased you are. Uh, After that, now he's going to say, oh, well, let's all come together. As I've said, I don't want to come together with the other side. I want them to have to respect the laws and be punished when they don't. I want them to be prosecuted. I want them to be met with the force of the state because the state takes out of my hands the ability to enforce the law myself. This is a fundamental obligation that the Democrats have abandoned because Trump has, remember, Trump has emotionally broken them. Trump has made them crazy. I mean, he he has made it so that they can't function like normal people anymore. And that's true of millions and millions of Democrats across the country. They can't handle this guy. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. With COVID running its course across the country and the Democrats running wild in cities, who are the libs going to turn to now? What's going to be their pitch for why they should put uh, why we should put Biden in the White House? I've been saying all along, I've, I've called this one, that it's going to turn into a Russia collusion delusion 2.0 fiasco. That's what's going to happen. And, and sure enough, we're already there. Adam Schiff, among the very most loathsome, unctuous, oleaginous of all democrats adam schiff who's the kind of guy that a used car salesman would be scared to buy a used car from i mean he's just not somebody that you could trust and adam schiff is out there trying to do the same thing as he as he has in the past create a a russian fear the specter of russian interference in the election so that democrats if they lose can go to bed at night thinking, the election was stolen from us. Play 10. Do you have any reason to believe that Russia is trying to fuel some of the civil unrest in these cities via social media or other methods? Uh, Well, first of all, Dan, I condemn uh, any of the violence that's going on. And I find it astounding that my colleague in the Senate can't simply condemn this. Um, The peaceful protests, uh, I think, are calling out uh, in a very important way um, the the murder of so many uh, black men and women at the, at the hands of police. And those protests are in the best tradition of the United States. Uh, but we need to make sure that they're peaceful, as they largely have been, and that there aren't these incidents of violence. Uh, in terms of what we can expect from the Russians or what the Russians are doing, the Russians four years ago, Dana, exploited Black Lives Matter. They set up their own false flags online uh, to try to divide people along racial lines 
Are they doing uh, and it now? We have to, uh, uh, they are, once again, uh, doing their best uh, in social media, in their overt media, and other means to grow these divisions again. BLM plus Russian interference in the election. Now, this is, see, they're just bringing it all together. This is like when they do comic book crossovers or something where they have all the different characters. Oh, we'll bring in someone from this comic series and that comic series. Or when they do those uh, reunion shows for those MTV reality series where they bring people back from, you know, road rules or the real world. And it's been 15 years and now they've gone through like the guy's gone through two marriages. He's got four kids he never talks to. And he's like, yeah. Let's go bungee jumping. You know, it's a little bit like that. They're bringing together all the things from the past now, whatever they can pull together into this. Russia collusion, BLM. And you would say, well, fuck, this isn't really going to, this is not going to change anyone's mind, right? Yeah, but these are things that they say. The stuff that Adam Schiff says today will be what people, if Trump wins, which is still a big if, it's very, it's going to be very close this election. And I've said that all along, and I don't think that's going to change no matter what. Unfortunately, Democrats have a big demographic advantage in a lot of very important places, a lot of very important states. But eventually, if Trump were to win, they're just going to say, see, Adam Schiff told us all along that the Russians were creating a false flag BLM online campaign or something. I mean, there's billions of dollars of media spending going on between the two sides in America. And even the most flimsy and irrelevant online hijinks from the Russians will be pointed to as evidence that the election was unfair, that the election was not uh, legitimate. They, the DNI, Ratcliffe, has said that they're going to cancel briefings for, for Congress on election interference. There's a, there's a reason for this, which I will get into, but here's Senator, Senator King, another, another guy in, con- in Congress with a, with a two-digit IQ. Uh, play 12. We have a president who never likes to hear the word Russia, at least not in the context of, of, of relationships or of Russia meddling in our uh, in our elections. Why? I mean, it, it it John, I hate to say this, but it looks like a pre cover up. It looks like they don't want to share the information. They're covering up information that may or may not. I don't know what they've got or not or, or what they have or don't have. But it looks like they're trying to keep this information from the public so that when everybody goes to vote on November 3rd, they don't they won't know to the extent Mm -hmm. to which uh, they've been attempted to be uh, influenced by the Russians or some other country. Still talking about this Russian nonsense. They're not going to give it up. They're not going to they're not going to let it go. They, They simply will not let it go. Not going to happen. You have to say to yourself, uh, what do we do about this? We, we can't do anything about this. They're, they're not reasonable. They're not rational. What can you say? You know why the DNI stopped giving briefings to Congress about this? Because all it takes is there to be some assessment of, you know, a Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation campaigns go back to World War II, World War I when it comes to this country. OK, but if you if you look at what they're going to do and what they have been doing, they just leak from these briefings. They find one thing that they can fit into this narrative. They leak it absent any context sourcing. Maybe the source is crap, but they just had to include it in the report because of duty to warn or whatever. And they put it out there and they use it as a political weapon. So the DNI is shutting down their their leak avenues for classified information, by the way. And they're crying about it like babies. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
It's not just Antifa lunatics, unfortunately, who have completely lost their minds, lost their ability to reason in the era of Trump. Uh, it is all the way up to the top reaches of the government, as we've seen with Sancta Comey, James Comey. The guy's a complete, just a weirdo and the most sanctimonious and, and slimy and dishonest person to work the FBI in a very long time, maybe ever. Uh, but you've seen this at, at, in very powerful positions, people that, that have a lot of sway, that have a lot of reach, who are just, just com they're completely unreasonable what they're doing. They don't care about the damage to institutions, to the broader society. They want to get Trump people or Trump himself and everything else is secondary to that. I bring this up because of the news today out of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, the initial two out, of th two out of three of the initial federal judges who looked at this in D.C., to their credit as actual jurists, as people that believe in the law and not making sure that they are treated well by uh, left wing you know, law firms and the D.C. based media, uh, people that you know don't care about what they're what's said about them at cocktail parties in Georgetown, which are real. I know people say, oh, what about the Georgetown cocktail party? You know, that's a real thing that happens for the fancy people in D.C. They knew that it's a very straightforward situation with General Flynn at this point. The government, the prosecutorial arm of the government dropped its case. OK, dropped the case against Flynn said this should not have been brought. This was wrong. Judge Sullivan, who is the federal judge on this case, said, well, hold on a second. What do you mean you're dropping the case? Clearly, he hates Flynn. He's already shown himself to be a Flynn hater when he accused him in court of being a traitor, which no one on the prosecution side had ever said. I mean, that's like he was watching a Rachel Maddow monologue and was like, oh, I'm going to bring that into my courtroom. Absurd. He's guilty of lying to the FBI over nothing. That was the, and then he's not even guilty of it, but I'm saying that was the initial guilty plea. Lying to the FBI. It had nothing to do with being a traitor. His phone call to Kizilyak was completely fine. Didn't break any laws. Well within the scope of his duties. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. Zero. Libs don't care. So you had two out of three judges that said that he needs a writ of, that, that Flynn should get a writ of mandamus. A writ of mandamus is an emergency order to vacate a court proceeding. So it's effectively like, this is done. Like, we're out. Shut it down. Shut it down. No, Judge Sullivan doesn't want to shut it down. He wants to keep on forcing Flynn to show up to court, to pay legal fees, to face possible federal prosecution. And two out of three judges said, you can't have a, pro you can't have a criminal proceeding without a prosecution. You can't appoint, as a judge some left-wing buddy of yours, some lib, which is what he did, this former judge, Gleason, appointed him to argue the side of the prosecution when the prosecution, which is a government, a, an executive branch responsibility, this is a separation of powers issue. The executive branch came in and said, well, we don't want to do that. This is not a good prosecution. We're dropping it. A judge, which is the judicial branch, as we know, has appointed a buddy to be like, I'm going to make you're now the shadow prosecutor. We're going to pretend that you're prosecuting this case on behalf of the government. He has no he has no authority to do that. This is eradicating separation of powers. This is crazy. If this stands, then a judge could always just say, I'm going to appoint somebody and they're going to declare that, you know, that you're being prosecuted. Show up to my court. What? 
This is it's a complete outrage. It's not this is not a close call situation, my friends. And the Democrats say, but he pleaded guilty, but he pleaded guilty. Democrats argue for people to be exonerated, for the government to have to uh, overturn the sentence decades after cases where they were on tape giving a confession with relatives present, you know, I mean, an overwhelming evidence of guilt. They'll say, oh, that never should have happened. But here, oh, because he was forced into a guilty plea by the government lying about the evidence that it had, which it's not supposed to do. It's a Brady violation. Because of all of that, what? Where does this leave us? Oh, let's just continue to see if Judge Sullivan should be able to call into question the federal government's motives for dropping the case. That's what this is going to be. This is going to turn into an anti-Trump hashtag resistance carnival. That's what they're going to do. That's what Judge Sullivan wants to do. He's got his buddy in there, and they're going to make this whole thing about how, you know, the Mueller probe and Russia collusion and Flynn and how he was a center of this. These people are, they're, they're completely nuts. They lose, and they don't, they don't accept that they've lost. They were wrong, and they don't accept that they were wrong. They push forward with it anyway. And that's exactly what they're doing here. So, so what ends up happening? And now it just continues on. I always tell you the process is the punishment. And that is exactly how the libs have approached this case against Flynn for months. Just drag it out. Ultimately, what they're going to do, I think, the, the real nuclear option from Sullivan, Judge Sullivan's perspective, would be to sentence Flynn. He could still try to sentence Flynn. He could do it to prison judges have very once you're in their courtroom their authority is really unchecked and if you have an appeals court full of obama appointee libs which is what the dc circuit court of appeals has uh, you you can get no justice whatsoever flynn is a target of the left and they will like a terrier with a bone they will not let it go not they will not let it go this man is innocent did nothing wrong guy served his country for over 30 years in the military they don't care ruin his life bankrupt him destroy his reputation they don't care and so what will they do they'll see if this judge gleason former judge gleason who has been appointed by judge sullivan to stand in for the prosecution that the federal government it's not like the federal government says yeah we don't have the resources or they said this was a bad prosecution drop it we no longer want this case to proceed what could be more clear than that can you imagine you're a judge imagine you're a judge and you have a defendant in front of you and you have the prosecution the federal government the department of justice from the highest level comes forward and says we drop the case you're going to still prosecute this person that's what's going on you think that there's justice in america unfortunately in the era of trump no there is not because of the deep state democrats there is not justice this is a grave injustice. This is it couldn't. There's no good faith argument. You just had eight to two federal appeals court uh, justices in D.C. by eight to two. The only two that realized the writ of mandamus should be granted here um, were the ones that were on the two out of three panel when they went on bonk, which means the entire appeals court, all the judges in the appeals court in D.C. have to hear it and then rule on it. Eight to two crush this motion. So and this only happened because Judge Sullivan, instead of accepting the initial appeals court decision, pushed it to the max that I want an on bonk hearing. I want I want to hear from everybody on this one. And this guy has gone completely off the rails. Completely off the rails. But it's it's punishing General Flynn and Democrats won't stand up for him. They don't care about the injustices going on here. They don't care. This is an innocent man that they've ruined. 
If anything, they're upset. This is really for them. The only high level scalp that mattered to them was General Flynn. Yeah, Paul Manafort, but Paul Manafort was kind of a, he got fired from the campaign. He was clearly kind of a, a sleazy political operator. You know, no one, that, that, that's different than the former DIA chief who's a 30 plus year military veteran and combatant. Getting, and, and, and the incoming national security advisor, that's a much bigger deal for them. And this is really all they had to show for all the mother prosecution. The only real political points they scored were entrapping Flynn with this FBI thing, which was all James Comey's move. That's who James, that's who James Comey is, a disgusting piece of you-know-what who will entrap you with federal line to the FBI charges when you are the national security advisor of the United States and trap you on a nothing, a nothing burger. And it's not even clear that he lied. That's the other part of this. It's not even like they got him to lie. They, they didn't think he lied. The FBI didn't think he lied. But then later on, they said, well, the Mueller probe came along and said, we got to get this guy. Let's tag him. They got him. Where is this all heading? I call this all along as you know, I, I hate to be the one that says, oh, I was right about this. But I am right about this. I told you after the initial appeals court ruling came down, the two out of three saying the writ of mandamus should be granted, that this would go on bonk. And then it was, you know, probably not going to go Flynn's way. He's got a bunch of Obama appointees on this uh, on this circuit court and or circuit court of appeals, rather. And they want to make a point of punishing Flynn to the maximum. No one wants to step forward and say the Flynn prosecution was unjust because they'll be hated by libs forever. And they know that no one wants to come forward and say it. I mean, who's a lib? So what happens now uh, the Supreme Court hopefully will will um, be asked to grant an emergency stay. And the Supreme Court will have to uh, come in, come in uh, to the picture here. And you know what that means? You'll probably get a 5-4 decision. I think you'll get a 5-4 decision. I think the stay will be, is likely to be granted, and then you'll get a 5-4 decision eventually from the Supreme Court that this is wrong. And they'll say that it was all partisan and political. If I'm wrong, and maybe they just, maybe they, they go to the the sentencing phase, or they try to maintain the guilty verdict against Flynn, and say that he's sentenced to time served, but he's now a convicted felon. You know what they're going to you know what that's going to trigger? Trump will pardon him. And then we'll say that that was political. They're trying to force this into a position where they can claim that it's the Trump side of things that has abused the law and been political. And they won't let it go until they at least get that. They've already they've already ruined Flynn. So they've accomplished that in their minds. Good job. These people are these people are barbarians okay they don't care what they do to human beings they don't care about the laws they violate and what they're willing to abuse to get their way they've already gotten that against flynn but now they want to make sure that the narrative for their side becomes well we did everything we could to ruin this guy but it was only because of trump with his pardon another corrupt pardon for a trump crony like roger stone who was commuted not pardoned it's only because of that that this guy didn't end up with a felony record. They, they just want to make sure that he's a convicted felon. They want to keep that. Trump's incoming national security advisor, convicted felon. And then in years past, they'll, they're already doing it. They're making movies. They're totally rewriting history. Totally rewriting history. Delusional. Utterly delusional. But this is what we're up against. We, we live in a country now, unfortunately, increasingly defined by dishonesty and lies. And it's very, it's very hard to win when you have so many millions of people, tens of millions of people who will just believe it all and it becomes an article of religious faith. 
And what the New York Times says in its editorial pages must be true. And if you deny that, if you argue with that, you undermine the sense that some of these libs have that they're really sophisticated and wise and, and brilliant and everything else. That's the, that's the stakes for them. They're never going to accept that they were fooled and swindled by all this. It makes them feel good to hate Trump. It makes them feel like they're really accomplishing something by posting the most vicious anti-Trump nonsense possible on their social media platforms, by thinking that Russia stole the election. Which, really, think about that. What, what an incredible feat that would have been if Russia was able to manage that. It's not an easy thing to do. By putting a little propaganda online, they think, I mean, it's... Really, my friends, we live in an era of mass delusions on the left, and it's increasingly difficult to maintain your own moorings on reality because they have all spun off into another planet. I don't even know where they are anymore. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world that's happening already. And we will end our reliance on China once and for all. We'll do it here. Like we used to do in the good old days before we owed trillions of dollars. We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, surge federal prosecutors into high crime communities and neighborhoods, and ban sanctuary cities. That's the Trump agenda going forward. He can articulate it. He can make it sound compelling. He can make it sound like something that we would all benefit from. What's the opposition sound like on all this stuff? What do you hear when you're when you're supposed to have those moments of believe in Biden? Right? When you're supposed to have all of that, what exactly does he say? It's going to unify the country. That's laughable. No one really thinks the Democrats are going to unify the country. The message of unity is what? Donald Trump doesn't listen to science. We don't listen to science in New York. That somehow gets left out of this conversation. The science would tell us uh, based on the and I mean, based on the metrics that they were using, that we should be completely open for indoor dining, that gym should have been real. And this should have happened a long time ago. Meanwhile, Mayor de Blasio is trying to say that maybe there won't be indoor dining until the spring of 2021. He's just going to destroy, just destroy this city. That's his plan. And that's Democrats' plans all along here. They're so angry. They're so full of rage that Donald Trump was able to win the last election. They won't let it go. There's a big part of them that really believes that the country should suffer, that the country deserves to be miserable and it's getting what it deserves this year because it elected Trump. I'm sorry. It's there. You can see it. You can hear it. You sense it. You know, we need to be punished, the Democrats think. And then they turn around and say, oh, no, we want to be a uniter. We want to bring everyone together. Um, that's, of course, preposterous. No one really thinks that that's their position. No one really thinks the Democrats are planning to do that. But that's their that's their pitch. And they can't have anybody challenging it because it would be so weak in an exchange, let's say, on stage at a debate with Donald Trump. Here you have uh, Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, uh, saying that he thinks Biden should take Pelosi's advice on the debates. Play eight. That, that's that's the category I put Speaker Pelosi's advice in. I hope 
I hope Vice President Biden takes it, because if he takes it and doesn't debate, he's a walking dead man politically. American people aren't going to vote for a president without 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 uh, seeing him. You can't stay in your hidey hole. You got to get out and see people in debate. And I don't you know, I think the speaker's been tripping to think that the American people are are going to tolerate having a, a party nominee not debate for the most important, powerful job in the world. But having said it, you know, the politician yeah. in, in me says, well, I hope I hope the vice president takes the speaker's advice. Biden's going to have a debate. If he were 10 points up everywhere and they were really, really confident, maybe he could get away with it, but he's going to have to do it. The same way the Democrats have seen that they're not politically invincible by backing a bunch of building, burning, cop attacking and hating maniacs that can actually have negative consequences for their power, for their chances to win an election. I think that they have a recognition. I think they understand that if they don't debate, it's not possible to make a case that Joe Biden is a serious person, right? If, if, if you're running a presidential election like this and you're seeing this happen or you're following this presidential election and you see that one candidate is afraid to debate the other candidate, you're going to vote for that person. Now, you might say, Buck, 48, 49 percent of the electorate will vote Democrat if it were you know, a write in candidacy of Mickey Mouse for the Democrat Party. The answer, yeah, I know that. But if you're talking about the people that are still deciding, and I'm always amazed that that's a thing that still is there, but people busy lives and don't focus on politics all that much. But if someone's an undecided and they hear that that Joe that Joe Biden is really doing the weekend at Bernie's presidential campaign, uh, they they can't, they're not going to come forward and vote for this guy. There's no way. There's no way. It just shows the whole thing's a fraud. And it is. The whole Biden campaign is built on lies and a fraud. Trump campaign is built on, see what I've done. I'll do more of it. COVID's passing. We're going to be better. It's going to be all right. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll call time, everybody. Thank you so much for staying until this part of the show. I know for some of you, it's probably your favorite part of the show. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. That is how you send us the messages. Or on Instagram, Buck Sexton. And remember, the best way to get into the roll call, uh, roll call action is by starting off with producer Mark is uh, a handsome patriot genius. And then it is likely that they will end up in our roll call. I want to point out that's not true. Okay, but if you say that and then you put some crazy stuff underneath that, I'm not putting you in. (laughs) Okay, producer Mark apparently has standards, so you can't just say that (laughs) again and then get anything in. But I'm just saying, if you want to flag it for his attention, it's never a bad move. Uh, Facebook, Team Buck, or sorry, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Like I said, Instagram, too. We're pulling more from there as well. If you're not following me on the gram, please do, Buck Sexton. All right, TJ. Buck, I think for Trump to win this election, it means that Republicans will also end up winning the House, similar to 2016. With that being said, one of the most important positions that we're, 
uh, haven't really talked about for the next two years to follow, hopefully four, will be Speaker of the House. I realize this is not a position that we the people get to choose, but I think it would be helpful for House Republicans to know who we the people would prefer. With that being said, who are we looking at for the next Republican Speaker? Well, TJ, uh, you're a little more optimistic than I am. I, I don't think we can count uh, at all on winning the uh, winning control of the House. I, I think that's going to be a big ask. I think we'll be lucky if we hold on to the Senate and obviously if we win the presidency, too. So it would really be a continuation of, of where we are right now. Um, as for who I think would be the next Speaker of the House, I got to think on that one. I got to think on that one. I, I would love to have Jim Jordan. I think that'd be fun. I think Jim Jordan would do a great job. Right? Put the libs in a half Nelson. He'll show them what's up. I, I think that Jim Jordan would be a really, really excellent choice. Uh, there's some others that I'm sure would come to mind if I gave it some thought. But I, I'm so focused right now just on where we are with the presidential race that anything anything else kind of gets pushed off to the side. Mike. Hey there, Buck and Mark. I heard you had a shortage of ode sonnets and haikus. When I was trucking down to Charleston, South Carolina today, I composed a limerick for you. Yeah. All right, here we go. Mike, very much appreciated. He writes, Those pinkos continue to lie, but our buck, he will swiftly decry. A producer sublime, Mark keeps buck on time to broadcast his show, Shields High. Mike, that's pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty good, my man. Um, I'm, I'm gotta say, I'm, I'm impressed. That's actually, that's actually uh, a, a better limerick than I had anticipated. I thought you were gonna send us one about a man from Nantucket. Certainly the best limerick we've ever gotten. It is the best limerick, I gotta say. Uh, all right, yeah, haikus are always kind of meh. Limerick is better, Matt. Buck, thanks for having such a great show. Well, Matt, thank you for having such great taste. I listen every day via podcast. I'm continually trying to get my girlfriend interested. Good call, Matt. A challenge, but good call. I'm writing to request your assistance in putting more pressure on Governor Abbott of Texas, who doesn't seem interested in Texas being free anymore. He has a statewide mask mandate and has closed bars with no end in sight. He, sa- he says we need to get test positivity rates down under 10%. Before he'll allow freedom again. But when less people go to get tested, possibly because they're not sick, he says we need to step forward and get tested more. Friends, this is the this is the confirmation bias that we keep seeing in all these different policies about COVID. They have no idea what the hell they're doing. It's all total nonsense. Uh, One thing that just came out over the weekend is that so PCR uh, testing is so sensitive that it can actually sometimes test dead virus particles from a previous infection or very, very few virus particles from an infection that was never even really clinical in, in, in level and degree. And so they're just this is the newest reporting on this, the newest science in this. They're concerned that there might be a lot of people who are testing positive for covid who either had it a long time ago and never even really had got very sick with it and or are not or not possible for them to be infecting other people with it. So, you know, everyone keeps saying all oh, the testing. I've always said testing as a strategy to control this is makes no sense. Takes 14 days to get your, your test results back in New York up to 14 days. A week is standard. 
How's that going to help anybody? Especially if you're talking about asymptomatic cases. If you're asymptomatic, what are you going to get tested every week? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. This has really shown us how inept and how stupid our, our government really is. I'm just going to say it. And that the government can't protect you. It's not your friend. It does not keep you safe and warm at night. That is our job here in the Freedom Hut. We keep you safe and warm at night. Uh, Matt says, I'm active duty military and have no choice but to live here at the moment. But if I were in a position to leave this state and go somewhere that believes in freedom, I would. Thank you for all you do. Well, Matt, I appreciate, your, I appreciate what you're saying, my man. But if, if Texas isn't freedom enough for you, where is there really to go? I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going to Montana. Going to Montana. Snow Princess and I are going to Montana for the weekend. Woo! I have never been to Montana. And I always think of that line. I wish I had seen Montana from what's it from everybody? Come on, come on. Or maybe it was, I would have liked to have seen Montana. I think that's what he says. I don't know. It's close to that. Hunt for red October, Sam Neill playing a Russian, not particularly convincingly, but it's a great movie. Probably the best submarine movie of all time for whatever that's worth. And uh, yeah, he's, he would have, so I will have seen Montana. I will have seen Montana. That was, well, as of a week from now. So I don't know how much Team Buck Montana we've got. I know we've got some. So, you know, if you see a, a, a swoop, if you see a, a, a poofy-haired freedom fighter walking around downtown Bozeman this weekend, it is, in fact, me. So come over and say hi. Give me a high five. Uh, that's right. High five. Hand to hand. We'll be okay. We're not going to die. God, everyone needs to calm down. People like to do this thing where they touch my elbow. I don't want to touch your elbow. You know, you know, high five or handshake or we can wave at each other. I'm not doing this elbow touch thing. It's just the whole, it's weird. It's weird. Greg writes, hey, Buck. I used to have a lot of respect for George W. Bush. I was there as a sophomore in high school in 2001 when I was in the Rose Garden of the White House as he gave to my family the Congressional Medal of Honor for my great uncle who died as a helicopter pilot in the Vietnam War. Yes, it's Trump's party now, but the fact that George W. Bush can't even make an appearance or a vote of confidence for Trump makes me realize that he is part of the swamp, too. It is very disappointing. Yeah, I, I wish that I wish that Bush would put uh, put the Republican Party ahead of his own personal feelings here, but he won't. But also, look, I, I think that Bush is a guy who. He's never really recovered from being president. Look, he wasn't really ready for it. He really wasn't ready for what he was handed. And uh, I think that in retrospect, you look at the job he did and, you know, handed us over to eight years of Obama, two wars that, you know, still haven't ended, was not good. It was not good. Uh, A lot of big, a huge amount of big spending stuff going on, efforts to reform or get the budget under control, unsuccessful open borders basically really bad on the bush family is terrible on immigration and ha, and that's that's been known for a long time they really like to have things very porous at our southern border so yeah the bush era you know we were all united in the fight against the jihadist lunatics who were trying to destroy our society and cut off all of our heads on video so to speak uh but bush era was not great not great Matt writes, hey, Buck, I've been talking with an old classmate of mine that went to law school about the Rittenhouse case. He thinks one thing will hurt the kid, the misdemeanor. According to Wisconsin law, being engaged in any criminal activity, like being a minor with a deadly weapon, cancels out self-defense. 
I think I, I see why he thinks that will get the kid. But the footage is clearly self-defense, and I still think the actions of the rioters will play a part in this case. What do you think about this? Keep up the great work, Buck Shields High. Matt, I, I think that you're you're looking at this the right way, which and this is what I was saying, too, when I was talking about him last week. I mean, I think there is a case for self-defense. It looks like self-defense to me, but they'll get him on some of these other things, you know, and I don't know the specifics of Wisconsin state law about whether, you know, bringing a, a firearm to a protest or to a, a volatile situation like this when you're 17 years old and you brought it across state lines. They're going to get him on some of those things, and then it will be, well, he's a criminal, so he was a criminal using the weapon then, and it, it just concocts a narrative that goes badly for Rittenhouse. I think that from what I saw, Rittenhouse did engage in self-defense, but, you know, if he's not allowed to have the gun and he has it, they're going to get him on that. And also, I just don't think, you know, as a 17-year-old with very minimal or no training uh, to show up and try to help other people, I'm not saying I don't respect the intention and and the desire to help and stop criminality, but, you know, in, in the real world, you're putting yourself in a obviously a precarious situation. You know, it's one thing if it's your own home, your own business, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? You're going to stand on that rooftop or stand outside in your own doorwell and say, you know, I'm going to fight. But he's he's put himself out. He's put himself at legal risk. I mean, that's a separate thing from the from the ethics of this one way or other. I'm talking about, though, he's put himself at legal risk because of this. And you've always got to be thinking about that because they they will use the system for maximum political advantage. As we see, they'll always do that. John writes, Buck, a recurring theme on your show is whether New York will recover from bad management, the lockdown, the riots and the looting. Be assured that it won't. The damage is terminal. New York is the next Detroit. Keep up the good work, Jack. Thanks, Jack. It's really inspiring stuff for those of us who are stuck here in New York. Producer Mark, what do you think? I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, I had a feeling you didn't think he was wrong. Well... We'll have to see. We'll have to see. There's a part of me that thinks that, I don't know. I want to be optimistic about it, but Florida's still there. Florida's still there for us, and we got to get our we got to get registered to vote down there so that we can make sure Florida stays red. I'm worried about it. Somehow I don't think that's going to happen before November. That is true, unfortunately, for the next election, though. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, more roll call. Just want to remind everybody, I'm going to be out this week, Thursday and Friday, but please do tune in to hear my man, uh, Mike Opelka, who'll be taking over the show for at least one, if not both. Oh, wait, is it Slater or Opelka? It's Opelka this week. Opelka. It's Opelka this week. Okay. So the Godfather is going to be in doing his thing, and uh, I'm going to be taking off to Montana uh, with the Snow Princess. She's not, in fact, from Montana, even though I think it does get very snowy there different place but uh yeah we're gonna go check it out so i i'm actually taking uh and producer mark aren't you as well we're actually going on a an actual time off from work yeah i'm gonna be off as well it's the first two days off i've gotten that haven't been a holiday since i don't even remember when maybe january at least yeah 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 yeah. since this year (laughs) this year for sure yeah i'm excited too man i'll be off a couple because then after that i told producer mark that he he needs to uh, be prepared for 
limited sleeping and also very grumpy buck as we just work our brains out until the election. So that's the way it's going to I'm always prepared for grumpy buck. You got to be. You got to stay out. You got to keep it on your toes, buddy. Aaron. Hey, Buck and Press Secretary Mark. Love your podcast and love Tallulah. I have to tell you that our our two-month-old Thomas, eyes get wide and he looks around with curiosity whenever he hears, you're in the Freedom Hut. Our older kids tell him that he's in the Freedom Hut all the time. So while our kids are definitely rush babies, too, you are forming your own brand of informed patriots. Thank you. Also, loved your interview with Inez Stepman the other week. My older kids are headed back to Catholic school today. We are so thankful. Shields high. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for introducing your family to the Buck Sexton Show. That's very, uh, very kind of you. We appreciate that. And Inez and her husband have both been friends of mine now for uh, many years, and she's great on the school issue. And we'll have her back on soon because, yeah, we're, we're going to Labor Day. Everyone should be going back to school, right? No, nope, going to be a lot of Zoom. Be a lot of this going on. So, um, yeah, we are all. Well, we're thankful that you listen to the show and you enjoy it. And if I'm in the company of Rush Limbaugh in your family's lineup, I, that, I couldn't be any better than that. So if you listen to Rush and Buck, I got to say, you got the best taste possible in radio. So there you go. You know, that's the that is what it is. Um, David. Hey, Buck. Carlton, the doorman is not a mythological figure. There's a show clearly before your time called Rhoda. It was a spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show. In it, Rhoda's high-rise apartment in New York City has a doorman named Carlton. When she's called on, the building intercom and answers, we hear, this is Carlton, your doorman. You need to see an episode to understand my reference to producer Mark. No, David, I'm not saying you're wrong, man. I'm just saying I don't, I've never heard of Carlton, the doorman, and neither had producer Mark, so we'll have to check this out. The Mary Tyler Moore show was a little before my time. We got a ton of emails about that. Did we really? Yeah. Like five of them explaining who Carlton the Doorman is. I understand it because I'm always seen, I'm always heard but never seen, so I get it. Ah. I gotta tell you. That's a, that's a, that's a new one for me. Who, who else from, you know, you know who I was told that I, I reminded people of and even looked like a little bit when I was in high school? You probably know this show, I think. Pacey from Dawson's Creek. I do not know that show. I, I'm just telling That's what I people used to say. I actually was at a couple of house parties back in the day when I was like 17, which is a very long time ago now. Um, and uh, a little bit. And, and yeah. And, and yeah, oh, you looked at it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. he he's played by the guy who was uh, Charlie in the Mighty Ducks. Wait, really? I was yeah. a Mighty Ducks Look at that. I didn't even know that. Maybe I can get Snow Princess to watch Mighty Ducks in me. I've never seen Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I mean, why not? She, just gets, she, she says thumbs up, so I think we might be able to do that. I've never, I've never seen it, and then I could tell you. I did like Miracle, which was your other, like, not even, you like demand. You're like, you have to see Miracle. It's, it's insane. Well, of course. It's about crushing the commies. And you were right. It was very good. I enjoyed it. So uh, I will check out Mighty Ducks and give my full review Until then, my friends, please make sure you pass the buck. The single most helpful, most wonderful thing you can do for us here in the hut is to get someone new to listen to the Buck Sexton Show. Someone in your life, just share it with them. Tell them about it. It's on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Until tomorrow, Shields High.